0: Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success.
1: Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. It's episode 307. I've got my co-host, Kim Shivler and we've got a fantastic guest, David Caverly. And David, would you like to
2: quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Hello, everybody. I'm just sharing this out on, uh, on Twitter right now. Uh, yeah, I'm David Kadavy. I'm a creative entrepreneur, which uh, to me means that I try to creatively express myself while at the same time uh, building businesses. So uh, a few things that I have going on, I've got a book called Design for Hackers, where I reverse engineer visual design uh, aimed mostly at software developers or people who don't consider themselves designers so much. I have a podcast called Love Your Work. I've uh, interviewed Seth Godin and uh, James Altucher, Jason Freed, anybody you can imagine, really, uh, screenplay writers, chefs, uh, rock stars. On that show. And then I've also been on a self-publishing frenzy lately. I've self-published uh, three books in the last six months. The Heart to Start, uh, How to Write a Book, and another book about a blockchain technology called called Steemit.
1: That's great. Dave, to say uh, David is a man of many talents would be an um, under, understatement. And Kim, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners of yours?
0: Absolutely. I'm Kim Shivler. I'm a trainer in the communications area, and instructional design consultant, you can find me at kimschivler.com.
1: That's great. And I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We are a specialize in the maintenance of WordPress websites, support and maintenance, with emphasis on um, learning management systems and membership websites. We love to help you. Um, before we go into the main part of this interview, folks, I just want to talk about one of our great sponsors, um, that would be Lifter NMS. Lifter NMS is one of the leading WordPress plugin solutions if you're looking to build a learning management system with your WordPress website. Great team, really believe in support. They are pushing the boundaries of learning management systems almost every month, really building out fantastic functionality. Um, you can get the the core of the program, for just $1. Um, they offer additional functionality through add-on packs, and they're giving a special discount to the WP Tonic listeners and viewers. If you go to their website and use WP Tonic, all one word, you get 15% on any of the add-ons that they have in their store. That's not a bad offer, is it? Um, I suggest if you're interested in that for yourself or for you, one of your clients, you go over and try it out. So let's go straight into it, David. Um, One of the books that you've recently built is um, giving advice about, you know, you've got like a course. Let's say you've uh, um, you've got this great idea for this course, you know, based on your experience, but you just can't get it going. You just can't get it started. What's your insights about that, basically, David?
2: Yeah, this is something that I have thought about a lot, which is why I wrote the book. And, you know, In some ways, it's for my 25-year-old self. In some ways, it's for my present and future self. It's called The hard to Start. Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting that there is a type of procrastination. We normally think of procrastination as like something that you don't want to do. But you can also be procrastinating on something that you really want to do, something that's so important to your existence... That you, know, you feel it welling up inside of you, but you just can't actually make it happen. So that could be like a course or you're trying to build a membership website or you want to write a book or something like that. And this is something I struggled with a lot, especially early on as an entrepreneur. I was often getting this advice. People would say, oh, just get started. It's just, just get started. And it's usually you hear this from experienced people who have already have a lot of stuff under their belt. And what I usually find out when I would dig deeper was that I think there's two different types of people in a way. There's some people who do have not much of a problem um, just starting something at deciding, oh, they have an idea, they're just going to go with it. I'm not like that. You know, I grew up in a place where I didn't know people who were writing books or starting companies or building video games or things like that. It wasn't, I didn't even understand that like flesh and blood people made those things. And so this is what I've been learning over the years is is that, yes, the advice to just get started is good advice, but it's not that straightforward to do it. Like, How do you get started? Where do you uh, find the internal fuel to to get started? How do you get past things like perfectionism and anxiety about uh, fear of failure and things like that? And so that's what I really wanted to explore in this book, not only through, through my own experiences, but also through the experience of, of lots of guests that have been on my podcasts and great creators throughout time. Um, so that is um, what I have been thinking about. and That's what I'm talking about in, in this book.
1: Oh, sounds great. Got a question, Kim?
0: Several. Uh, one of the things that excited me about this book is you're actually Try or giving people, I want to say trying, but you're actually giving people kind of a step-by-step way to get started because I think you're right. They're the, people say just get started, but if you don't know how, it's like saying just ride the bike if you're sitting in front of a bike for the first time and you don't know what to do. What? So, so the clients I work with a lot of times are a little bit on the other side and I'd like to hear your feedback. Maybe I haven't gotten far enough in the book. They've gotten started. Maybe they've even created it. Their pushback, their resistance is actually pressing, publish, and starting to market it because yeah. there's a, a big vulnerability there. What what would you teach them?
2: Yeah, and that's a, that's a great question because you know you're always starting. You're mm-hmm. you're you start you're you're starting like the the company or you're starting the book but you're also starting in between different sessions and you're starting between shipping this piece and shipping that piece and when it comes to I think that you can get in this perfection paralysis is that kind of like what you think is going on with with your your clients is that they they're trying to tweak all these little things they want to get it just perfect before they get it out there is that kind of what's going on
0: I think sometimes that's going on and, but I, I tend to think that the root cause is fear of rejection. Yeah. We can always want to, but, but why do we want to perfect? Why do we want to do it? Even if we've built the whole thing and I was really bad about this when I was younger, I've probably got 20 books sitting on a shelf that have never been published. And sadly, because I'm a, I, at the time I was a technology writer, they're no longer relevant. Um, but, but it's actually that it's when you actually push it out to the world that now you are vulnerable for the feedback and helping them get over that fear. Because as a creator, we are not just, we're not just building, you know, maybe somebody's bookkeeping system or, or you know, IT system when I was in IT, but we're actually putting our heart on the line a lot of times.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because your creative work is so personal. It comes from a very personal place. It comes yeah. from, for whatever reason, you are very, you feel compelled to say, write this particular book because of your past experiences and, mm-hmm. and you're putting it out there and you're going to get criticism or, you're, or you're, you're definitely going to find that there's some things, there's always going to be things where you're like, that could have been better as well. <laughs> And I think that it's helpful to just recognize um, that a lot of this procrastination is really just us wanting to feel good about ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's that conflict, the classic conflict between ego and self. Uh, You know, I'm borrowing a bit from uh, Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art here. He says that, you know, you've got two lives you've got the life that you're living, and then you've got the unlived life inside of you. And in between those two things is resistance. And Mm so, you know, I think of create uh, any sort of creative endeavor is like self actualization. You're going to take your experiences, you're going to take your passions, you're going to take you, and you're going to inject it into this thing, and you're going to put it uh, out into the world. Now, your ego doesn't really like that because your ego wants wants you to feel good. It wants to protect the self. So when you do put something out there that isn't up to your standards, or that, that you do get criticized or you're, you feel like your friends are laughing at you behind your back or something like that. Or, um, or, you know, or you might, it can cause you to criticize other people. You know, you can say like, well, I'm not going to stoop to that level. I'm not going to do crappy work. Like, like that person does because I'm better than that. And so it does all these things that help us feel better about ourselves that, oh, well we have high standards um, so we still need to learn more. Uh, we, we're not going to stoop to to that level of co- uh, low level of quality. All these things that is are going on that are really just trying to protect the ego. Now, so how is the ego trying to protect the self? Really, so how do you get past that? It's that's also a little bit easier said than done. It helps to recognize it, but there's there's little things you can do. One, I like I like for example. Uh, to give myself permission to lower my standards sometimes. <laughs> you know, to nice. give yourself permission to suck, it sounds like a really terrible thing. Well, you're going to do bad work. But often you t- oftentimes you find that if you give yourself permission to do work that you think sucks, at st- to the start with anyway, at least like that's the permission you're giving yourself, that work ends up being better than the non-existent work that you wouldn't have done had you not given yourself that permission. And you can't get good at something without being bad at it first. So that's just one particular way. So, so with your 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 clients getting their work out there too, I I think that another thing that can happen is that we are always going to dream big. You know, we we have high aspirations and we imagine uh, like take for like a membership site before. Take like a, a membership site. You might imagine all these amazing features on this membership site and you got to think through how all these different things are going to go together and you can think about that forever, but you're, you're never going to actually get the motivation to work out all those details if it's not out there living, you know? So finding a way to scale back, to be a little bit lean with it, not only saves you time and energy because you don't, you end up making decisions and building things that nobody needs, but it also is a motivational tool because you get the stuff out there and uh, you, know, you, you scale it back. You make half a product, not a half-ass product, uh, as Jason Fried would say. Um, and that somehow creates some energy. And you, once you get through that wall of shipping, everything changes. I mean, it's uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Every time I'm putting a blog post out there, every time I'm putting a podcast out there, I'm like, oh... Such and such thing is just not right, and I've 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 learned to find it freeing. I've learned to go through towards that fear. So I don't know if you have any experience. You know, when you're trying to get these clients to to get that work out there, what do you usually say to them? Are you ever able to convince them?
0: Oh, sometimes it's interesting because uh, I I loved what you just said about the membership. Uh, I'm actually about to work with another client on this and she'll be fine, but I have had clients, uh, and I love what you say, because they want to focus so much on, on features, 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 and it's actually not that they're trying to build the best membership site, which, which they are, but I believe the real core resistance, and I'm the same, I'm a Pressfield fan, I think the real core resistance is that fear of marketing and putting it out there and possibly getting rejection. And so I Mm -hmm. push with people a lot that, you know, that minimum viable product, get 10 posts out there and see if anybody's interested in this private area, what they're interested in, use them as your springboard for the future of what they want to see. But you could spend 10 years building and building and building and building and building just because it's scarier to put it out there and to actually, you know, it's like people who write books that are never published. And, now, and it used to be able to be an excuse. Well, I couldn't find a publisher, but we know now, and, and I loved your interview with Seth Godin uh, talking about publishing, is there's no excuse not to publish anymore. Right. right we get Kindle and Amazon, and there is no reason not to publish anymore. You don't have to wait for someone else to validate you.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's, I think there's, these are kind of two of the same things with um, the publishing or the membership site is that it's very easy mm-hmm. to get focused on. Yeah, it's great to have features in a membership membership site. It's great to have it being fully functional and stuff. But what is a membership site really? A membership site really is about the people, mm-hmm. and if you get a good community going, you know they'll put up with it uh, with it not being perfect. But it's it, they you know it needs to help them in some way, and so right. it's concentrating on that. That's what people need to focus on. And which is going to be worse? Working on something for a year, two years, trying to tweak every little thing and launching it and finding out nobody cares at all? Or having something that's a little yeah. lean to start with and you're like, okay, well, we're we're, we're starting where we are and yeah. we're working on top of that. And we're yes-ending, we're improvising here. And yes. that is not only more motivating. It is, it, is, it is less painful <laughs> as well. But, uh, but you do have to be willing to, to get that kind of feedback. It really is what it is. Mm-hmm. is like putting it out there, knowing that it's not um, what you ultimately expect it to become and mm-hmm. responding to what happens after that. I love that.
0: And if anybody has never taken an improv... Have, has not taken an improv class. David talked about yes and, and that's kind of the core of improv. If you're going to be any type of creator, I recommend you take a class. You don't have to be a professional, you don't have to become a professional improv person, but you will learn so much from that yes and idea, and you can tie it back into yourself. On you know, what I push my people for is get out there and create value create value and put it out there and let it go and learn as you go.
2: Whether it's a membership site or
0: a course or a book even.
2: I agree about this improv thing. I took some improv classes as well and that has been a very valuable learning experience. You know, I think primarily one of the things that happens is you get get up in front of the class and you're supposed to do a scene with somebody and you can't (laughs) think of anything to do. And maybe you do a scene that's really terrible. And you're a little embarrassed, but you go sit down and eventually you realize, oh, I didn't burst into flames. I didn't disintegrate into dust. Uh, But I learned something. And so there's something about that Mm -hmm. process, which is exactly what it feels like to put blog posts out there and have them become duds, which I've written plenty of blog posts that are complete duds that I thought were going to be great that nobody cared about or where I was wrong about something entirely and somebody pointed it out. Um, But it's, it's all a part of the process of being able to exercise that sort of vision muscle where, you know, I I was talking to uh, a a rock star turned filmmaker and he was talking about his first film. And he was saying that, uh, you know, as a musician, he can, he can envision a, uh, an album from the top down. He knows what exactly every little step that needs to go into making an album happen. And so that, vision muscle, that ability to envision an outcome and then be able to follow the steps to make that outcome happen is something that he was able to carry over into making his first film. Um, You know, there's always going to be unexpected things, but you can, there's, there's skills transfer in that way. And that's why I always say um, that it's a, if you're somebody who wants to create things and you're having trouble creating things, I think that it's useful to exercise that vision muscle in whichever whatever way you can. You know, whether that is okay, uh, I'm going to look up a recipe online and I'm going to make a shopping list, and I'm going to plan things out and I'm going to make this recipe happen. I'm going to invite a friend over. I'm going to create this experience. I'm going to create a thing that is coming from my own volition and I'm going to envision the outcome. And I'm going to follow steps to make it happen. And some of it's not going to work out right. You're going to burn the pasta or something like that. And you're going to take what you learned and you're going to do it the next time. Those skills transfer to any creative endeavor. And so I think that just getting comfortable with the process, because this isn't something that we're taught in school. You know, we're taught like, here's the answer. Follow Mm -hmm. these steps. You're going to get to the answer. Uh, You know, you're going to get this grade. And follow these steps. You're going to get the degree. You're going to get the job. The world doesn't work that way anymore. Maybe yeah. for some people. But if you want to survive in this world, you need to know how to make something that didn't exist before. And you need to know how to make it in, in, um, in an extremely uncertain environment where things are changing all the time and where what you're doing is something nobody has ever done before. And so I think that that is a mindset to continue to cultivate in whatever you can, is thinking about how to create something that didn't exist before and how to envision it and see how well your, your outcome lines up with the vision, the vision that you had before you started. And starting small with that, like a recipe. Oh,
1: that sounds, great stuff. It sounds great. We're going to go for our break, folks, and um, we'll be back in a few moments.
2: Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full no question asked 30-day money back guarantee. So don't delay, sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com, just like the podcast.
1: We're coming back folks. We've had a great discussion with David. Um, David, um, <clears throat> This is going to be a little bit of a long-winded question. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) uh, um, But I've been thinking about this for a little while. Um, Around design, um, in some ways, design seems to have become, especially when it comes to website design, seems to have become a real commodity. Um, Also, where, you know, design in general, the lower to medium end of the market, it seems to have become very commoditized. But on the other hand, I've got just got a feeling, especially when it comes to UX design, and, and also in design in general, that design in some ways, I feel that it's going to become increasingly important. So I'm kind of pushed two ways about... Is the market very fragmented, and it's going in different directions, or basically, can you give some advice and insight, David? I thought you were
2: the right guy to ask this question i mean here's what here's what I think about it is I'm kind of a recovering designer um, i I got my degree in graphic design I was uh, obsessed with design and I worked as a designer for a very for a very long time and still do the design in, in my own company. Um, but what do designers love to do? We love to complain <laughs> about, uh, you know, this font's bad or that font's bad or this client is like this or nobody appreciates what we do. And people are appreciating more and more and more. People are, are, are catching on, which is great. But uh, we need to think about what, what, do, we, what do we contribute um, as business people to our clients or uh, th- that's just one thing. What do we contribute? So uh, if there are systems that are going out there like themes and um, uh, stock photography, stock illustration, all these things that make it easy to make a design that looks good. And yeah, maybe it's not the perfect design, um, but it, is, uh, it serves the purpose from a business standpoint. Um, And so since design is becoming so important, people are starting to appreciate it more. It's starting to become uh, like a requirement of doing business is to have a decent design. I think designers are at an advantage that they sometimes miss, which is that they understand how this, they can create value from thin air, you know? Uh, And so, and there's also this, this way of thinking that goes into design that is also very valuable, and I think that you know you shouldn't just be a designer for for clients. I think that we should all be thinking about ways that we can create our own things to be creative entrepreneurs, to uh, write books or create an app or create the membership site. Uh, so thinking like business people using our design thinking skills of like how do we uh, how do we create something that somebody wants and that that solves some, some kind of a problem for them. And so that's why I think that a lot of designers can easily miss as they're worrying about design or, uh, you know, like the, uh, worrying about rates crumbling or going down, things like that. It's like, well, look at this amazing power that you have. Look at this as an opportunity to take control of your own destiny and create something of of your own, and you have this amazing power to make something look beautiful and to make an impression on people, and then also to think like a designer in a way that you can make a product that that meets the needs of somebody.
1: Yeah, great answer. I I, I think I'm wasn't totally sure where you were going with your answer. Um, I just want to clarify this. Sure, I sure. I I thought originally you were saying. That mix it up a bit, you know, yeah, work with clients, but also have your own projects. And by working on your own projects, you will then learn a lot more, be able to offer a lot more insight to those clients that you still work with. And in some ways, you might build up more empathy for that the, the client that you're working with because you've gone through a similar process through your own work.
2: I mean, I think that that would, I think that that works. But I also, I mean, I'm personally, uh, you know, I personally prefer to try to find my way out of working with clients. Yes, that's you know, why. So that's why. Yeah, cause, yeah,
1: you because <laughs> you you took it. Uh, and then you took it to the next stage where you were saying that you actually feel that you should move it to your uh, mostly to your own work and not work with clients that you well, see.
2: Yeah. I think, that that is, I think that's one way of doing it. I'm just uh, speaking for myself and a lot of uh, designers that I've talked to who don't feel... They don't enjoy working with clients a whole lot. You know, like they're not necessarily... That's not necessarily their calling. Now, Some people love that and some people love to serve their clients. And then that's where I think that it's useful to, to think of yourself more as a, a trusted consultant than a designer, right? If the design is a commodity... Um, how can you take what you're doing and solve your client's problem in a more holistic manner? And that's where I think that you know someone like Brennan Dunn. I don't know if you've had him on the show, but he right. really thinks about this really well about how to s- sell yourself. Not so much as, uh, yeah, I'm just a-, a widget maker, but I'm I'm going to help you with your in- entire business here, and then it becomes. Then you can start commanding a higher rate. That's not something that I personally, uh, that's not my core, but I know that if I were somebody who really did get satisfaction out of working with clients, I would start looking in that direction.
1: I also think, um, I also I just sense that uh, almost a golden age of design is almost there, you know, that uh, a real, uh, that. The actual technology side is increasingly, in some ways, becoming easier. And then business um, outsourcing is only so far you can take that. Business is always looking for the cutting edge. And I think that cutting edge of um, individuality, of market fit, is increasingly going to resonate with design. What, what do you think about that, David?
2: I, I think that you're talking about... Sort of are you talking about kind of hitting a niche or hitting you know your sort of the idea that average is over, right? So if you mm-hmm. want to be um the best at something that at one thing, then 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 good luck with that because you're competing against the entire world now. You're not just competing with whoever it is that's in the same in the same town, you know, like when when Facebook bought Instagram for, what was it, a billion dollars mm-hmm. for 13 employees, they weren't looking for the second best photo-sharing app. They were looking for the best photo-sharing app. And so, uh, the, I think that's, that's called like a competitive striver is what the economist uh, Tyler Cowen calls these, these people. Is Somebody who, they want to be the best... Something they're always they always want more, and those people are in big trouble in this age because there's always somebody out there who's better than you at this one thing, there's always somebody out there who has more. You're gonna feel bad about yourself, but now if you're an enthusiast, an enthusiast is what he calls it is somebody who has, has a niche interest or a combination of interests, well, then you can take combinations of interests and be the only person who does that thing. I Case in point for myself is that I really loved growing up. I really loved drawing. I also really loved computers. You know, I was on the internet in the 90s. Those two things had nothing to do with each other. Eventually, I became a web designer. And then on the side, I started a blog. Those things didn't really have that much to do with each other. I went and worked in Silicon Valley and got exposed to entrepreneurship. Those things were kind of unrelated. Then eventually, one day, I got a book deal to write my first book, Design for Hackers, and my life and career totally changed uh, from that thing. And, you know, not that there's not a lot of great web design books out there, but there's not one out there just like mine. And my way of doing it really resonates with some people. Some people not so much, but some other people, it really resonates with them. And I think that's the opportunity that we have. And I think that that is our, our big challenge in crisis, is that, we aren't really armed with the skills to figure out what is it that I have. Like, what's my one thing that only I can do that I can turn into some kind of a, uh, an entrepreneurial endeavor? And that's a that's a a, a tough soul searching process that is completely at odds with uh, the way that the world used to work. You know, it used to be you jump through the hoops, you go through this thing, you get the certification. And okay, now now you're an accountant. Now you're a, now you're a lawyer. Now you're a doctor. But if you're, if you're looking to create something, you're looking to find your own voice, the one thing that only you can do and, and make that into some kind of a, a, a living for yourself, a sustainable living for yourself. And not just financially, but also, uh, also just personally as well as sati- from a satisfaction standpoint, loving your work. Um, that's not as straightforward of a process. We need to figure that out. That's what I'm trying to figure out.
1: Oh, I just love it, David. Thank you so much for that insight. We're going to wrap up the podcast part of the show. Um, David's agreed to stay on for a little while. Um, we're going to be talking about another of his books about blockchain and about how that, how he feels, and I agree with him, is going to change the, the world in some ways. Um, my co-host Kim just got over off a flight, a business ju- um, trip, and her phone overheated, and she had to leave the show. And also, I think she was doing it for Floyd, and I think she was melted in front of us as well. Um, but she wanted to join the conversation because she's a great fan of David. Uh, um, so she, hopefully she'll be back next week, folks. So, David, um,
2: how can people learn more about what you're up to and more about you, in general, David? Oh, thank you so much, Jonathan. Uh, I'm really active on Twitter at Cadavy. I have a podcast. It is called Love Your Work. You can find that anywhere that you look. Uh, that you get your podcasts. Website is Cadby.net. It's where you can find the podcast, uh, the books. And uh, if any people are interested in... Uh, I've got lots of calls to actions <laughs> here. So I've got a free design course at designforhackers.com for anybody who's looking to learn some basics on design. And if for anybody who, out there who's an aspiring writer looking to uh, increase their creative output, I have uh, a list of tools at cadbynet slash tools.
1: Oh, that's great. And folks, if you want to learn more about WP Tonic, go to our website. Um, We've got some great resources about if you want to build that course, great advice. We've got some great articles that that we wrote this month. Uh, about um, different choices of technology. We've just got some great resources on the WP Tonic website. So we're going to wrap up the show this week, folks. If you really want to support the show also, go to iTunes and give us a review, good, bad or indifferent. I just love reviews and it just really helps the show and it's great feedback as well. So we're going to wrap up the show and hopefully next week we're going to have somebody doing something really fantastic with WordPress online at internet or just somebody in general that we feel is really interesting and would offer some great insight to you the listener and viewer we'll see you next week folks bye
0: thanks for listening to wp tonic the podcast that gives you a spoonful of wordpress medicine twice a week